Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And welcome to Let's Talk Mac for May 25th, 2023. You know, I love that term, necessarily. So, does that mean that I have wiggle room to uh, get the ACB to maybe think like me in regards to that Mac is uh, superior, Windows is bad? Okay, um... Maybe not, but uh, we won't go into any window bashing here today, because um, that would be breaking glass, and that would not be good. I can, as you can tell, I'm in rare form. This is Herbie Allen, and I'm with you for the next hour. We got a special guest with us today. Alan Wilmoth has come back, and uh, we're going to be in awe of him as uh, he talks about two-factor authentication. First of all, a couple things I want to mention is that. Uh, We've got an Apple event coming up. I believe it's going to be June 6th. And so our next Apple call is going to be the Apple event, primarily from a Mac perspective. At least I hope so. It's going to depend on what they give us material-wise. And on the one hand, I hope they give us some controversial stuff so we have things to talk about. On the other hand, I'm just as happy if they don't because a smoother user experience would be nice. And uh, Apple, if you're by any chance listening, you know, I just got to say, I really do love your products. But one gripe that I think a lot of us have with for good reason is voiceovers responsiveness to voice uh, to Safari or lack thereof, you know, just think it could be a little bit improved, especially for us Intel users. I don't know what the M1 experience is like, but, uh, you know, just just saying if any if, if, you, if you guys happen to be out there, you know. Um, so, so, uh, they're very good. All right. Without further ado, and if you want to hear me talk about the Apple event from an iPhone perspective, that will be the next Apple Bytes that, uh, I've got coming up at the, well, you know, I don't know if we'll actually have one this month or not because of conventions, so just stay tuned and we'll find out together, won't we? And uh, I'll, I'll talk to my uh, the coordinator about that, but he, he, we get to keep him mute at the moment because he's hosting, so uh, that's all right. Um, or maybe he doesn't know, so he, he can uh, know the answer when I ask him, so there you go, be, be prepared. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn things over now to uh, Alan, and he's going to talk to us about a very important topic, security and two-factor authentication. And uh, I'll tell you, it's something that uh, I definitely use a lot, probably not, not, well, I haven't used it in like the hardware form, but I've definitely used it a lot in the uh, software form as uh, is a good I think of two-factor authentication as our governmental system. It's supposed to work and have a series of checks and balances between the three branches. And uh, I see two-factor authentication as a similar effect, you know, th thing. You have a check and balance on your security because you can get that, you get that extra warning that somebody's logging into your account. And hopefully it's you, but... It could be uh, somebody else entirely, and um, then you can, you know, deny them access or uh, whatnot. And also, you have the advantage of you don't have to remember any passwords in the newer realm ways of doing things I understand now. But you know what? I'm going to let Alan talk about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause to Alan uh, Wilmoth. All right. 
Sorry, Chayanne, I know I'm not helping with ego there, but, uh, um, all right, without further ado, okay, that, that, that's enough, guys. No, really, that is. Okay, um, so without further ado, let's, uh, turn it over to Alan, and Alan, um, we did not get a chance to talk to you real quick about how we're going to handle the raised hand, so if we could just... Talk about that real quick. Are you going to, do you want raised hands while you're lecturing or do you want to lecture and then take raised hands? Um, I'm happy to answer questions as they come up. All right. So then hosts, but if you see hands pop up, just uh, let us know. We've got Danette taking care of us over on the Zoom side and Brad taking care of us on the Clubhouse side. All right. Go ahead, Brad. Or uh, Alan. Yikes. Sorry. All right. So, um, so there's a, uh, about 15 years ago, uh, they came out with a, uh, a technology to eliminate passwords. Uh, and the company is, uh, is called YubiKey, or that's their product, pardon me. Yubico is the name of the company uh, that tried to started addressing this problem uh, about 15 years ago, where if you lost your password or someone gained it because you, know, you typed it, you clicked on an email, you went to a website that wasn't real, you know, like your bank, you're excited, you type in your, your username, your password, and now they've captured it. And then they go and log in on your, you know, on your behalf for their, their interests. Um, and so the last couple of months I've spent, been spending trying to upgrade, upgrade my security by using uh, these hardware keys. Uh, it's just a, a form of uh, MFA, multi-factor authentication is what it stands for. And it just means, you know, you're not just using a password, you're using password and another step. And the hardware key is one of those steps. Uh, you go, oh, and uh, the other steps are your SMS messaging. Uh, you're uh, being called on your phone. Um, and of course, then there's the, the time-based ones, like uh, uh, the hello hardware authenticators. You just push a number, you know, it just shows a number and you type in the six-digit number. Um, and that takes several, several uh forms you can have an app on your smartphone that does it your ipad um uh, all of those have problems and that uh the one the sms messaging system when the phone company set it up they uh they didn't think to secure it so kind of a big oops if you've noticed you can get uh spoofed like you know caller ids um the uh they can also people can borrow you know steal your phone and gain access. Um, they also have uh, phone calls, SIM jacking, where they grab your SIM, or uh, they had transfer the number by you know work you know by convincing the uh, the customer service person or other ways. Um, so all the different login ways have their hacks that have been used. Um, but the nice one about the uh, the hardware key is um, it has some built-in protections that you don't give the other ones. Um, you don't have to have it attached to your computer all the time and you don't have to remember anything, um, which is pretty good. Um, the, uh, any questions? Hopefully. No, okay. Um, so in my two months of experimenting with this, I tried, uh, some less expensive keys and they did not, uh, they did not authenticate like you're supposed to with the iPhone. So I ended up with the, uh, YubiKey 5C works. Uh, NFC wise and plugged into a USB port. Um, and so you need for Apple and for Google to, to enable it, you need two keys. 
uh, you need to register them at the same time and you get to label them. So you want to label your keys before you register them and then identify them when you register them. So, you know, if you lose one, you know which one to get rid of. Because if you lose, if you lose your key, um, you lose all access to your account and you can't call Apple or Google and get it recovered. Um, and I found out that uh, I can't check my email on App, Apple's email or Google's email anymore in Outlook. Uh, as it turns out, the um, Outlook is not secure enough. So bad Microsoft. Um, uh, so, so for the record, guys, I'm not the one Windows bashing, but uh, no. Um, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Well, when I first started this, it would work on Windows. It wouldn't work on Mac. So the last couple of software patches that Apple's pushed has dramatically improved support for it. So they've kind of went around Microsoft. And, and so they, they, Apple's kind of ignoring this. And now they they, for some reason, they, they're taking it very serious. So, um, so it's like the latest versions of, uh, of their operating systems. This actually works in, on the iPhone. Um, so in Apple's niceness, we do. If you have devices that don't natively support support the feature, they're, they're a little older, not quite the new latest and greatest uh, OS um, or hardware. Apple does have a workaround where, like you know, your, your phone is the the master, and then you authenticate on it, and it will allow you, you know your devices check your phone, and you can check it on the, the really secure device, and then Apple will basically grandfather in your old device. Um, Google's uh, has two tiers to their service. I've discovered the the paranoid and then the normal. And in the normal mode, you can uh, you can authenticate other devices off a secure device. Uh, they give you alternatives, but again, that weakens your security. So if the device you're on doesn't support hardware keys, you can still authenticate on a device on some other device that does. Uh, but if you turn the crank the security setting up, then no more. Um, so, and then an Apple has two tiers to theirs. So if you enable the top tier, you can no longer access your stuff through iCloud. Uh, the iCloud add-on that allows Outlook to access your email no longer works. And so then you're just basically on the Apple ecosystem. So um, it's going to go into uh, the other second best security for MFA. I would highly suggest people to do if they don't want to do the hardware keys is uh, I'm using the Google Authenticator, but I don't log in. And I have installed on a couple of different devices. That one's really good because it's no cost. Um, it gives you 60 seconds to enter the number in. Um, and the trick with that one is, is ideally the thing you're, lo you're logging into isn't the same device that's generating the number. Because if your computer is, is, uh, is hacked, you know, with malware and taking stealing your information, you wouldn't want to give them the, the time token, but it expires after 60 seconds. So that's the second best one. Um, the other methods all have security problems with them. They're not, they're not great. And um, there's one I did not talk about, which is Okta is a company that does this. They do push notifications, which is really high. It's, it's like Star Trek stuff. Like you log, go log in something and then you get a little thing on your Apple watch and you push it. And, and then suddenly your computer's like, Oh, you're in. Um, very cool. Um, its problem is, is if you log into a lot of things, you keep getting those push notifications. It's like uh, in Windows, you're trained to push the OK button all the time. It pops up. You don't read it. So you just, everyone just mashes the OK button. 
Um, similar thing with, with, uh, with the push notifications. You get so many notifications, you just push the button and go. Um, now the security key uh, has identifier it sends to the server as well as a one-time use number, um, but, to, uh, but you have to actually push a button on it for it to send that number. So, uh, so if you're not there to push the button, even if you leave it plugged in, uh, it can't be an automated attack. And uh, that's kind of what you really want to protect yourself from is automated attacks. Um, you're, nothing is truly secure from a good hacker. Um, unfortunately, anything can pretty much be hacked. Even if you have a team of security experts, I saw a company, intern at a company, and they had a, a security team in addition to an IT, IT team, and they had an internal audit, and uh, pen testers still were able to find the way in. And you know, they monitored all kinds of traffic that you'll never do on your home network. Um, so, um, so if you're not, if you don't have a uh, security staff and you don't have pen testers, you know, hammering on your system, you can definitely be hacked. You might could be hacked anyway. Um, but it's about making it uh, not an easy target. So they move on to somebody else, not worth the effort. So and so I like the security key idea, um, but the, uh, the TOTP or the uh, Google Authenticator is a good second. Um, so any, any questions yet or? Nope. Uh, I'm not seeing any raised hands here in the okay. Zoom. <laughs> Right. Um, so, and remember guys over in Clubhouse, you can also hit the request to speak button. We are now bringing people up on stage if you do have a question for Alan. All right, go ahead and keep going. Okay. So my personal experience, so I'll go over my, my personal uh, tips I have for the, uh, if you do decide to do the, uh, the, um, the TOT, uh, start with the TOTP, uh, which is interesting because it doesn't cost anything. I like the Google Authenticator because it doesn't log in. You don't have to log into it. Um, and it has a nice export feature. So if you set it up, set your, your MFA up on your iPhone, you can easily transfer it to your iPad by picking, uh, go into it and pick export. And then you can hold your camera for your, your, your tablet over it with that, with the, with the Authenticator app open on import. And it will capture all of the, can capture all of the accounts all at once at one go the QR code, which is very slick for, for keeping, you know, backup. So uh, you don't get locked out of your accounts. It's like you break your iPhone or something. Um, on the MFA key, uh, the issues I've had are, turns out if you plug in a USB device one way into an adapter and you flip it around, uh, this can make a difference. Uh, on the wireless side for NFC, it took me three different keys to find one that actually worked with the iPhone. Um, and then it's best if you put it flat against the back of the iPhone up at the top on the backside uh, to pick up the, uh, the NFC to authenticate it. That one doesn't require you to push the button specifically uh, in a pot. Uh, so that's pretty. So, um, but you can on the iPad, no NFC, but then you, can use a, a dongle like lightning to USB or, uh, or, the key, or if, the key, if the key is not USB-C, you can use a USB-C to USB-A adapter on the iPad to authenticate. Um, 
I keep the one key on the ring. I hit the other key. Um, you don't have to use it every time you access a website um, or set up your e or uh, open your email. Uh, it, it, they, uh, there's generally a time window they have. Um, typically, on the, like the uh, your email, like Apple, I don't think will make you authenticate ever reauthenticate once you're in on a device, like on the iPhone. Um, otherwise, like on something uh, like Outlook, it should be like three every three months or so it'll ask you, or if, when you do it log in on a new device, it allows you to do it. Um, there's also a checkbox, always trust this machine um, that you can check. Um, some of this comes down to how sharp, how sharp and pointy your tin hat is as to how secure you want your stuff. Um, I go nuts for the email, my, my emails because those are the ones that reset all my uh, accounts. Um, but I don't do this for every website, obviously. Uh, I just the ones that are financial or the email because the emails are tied into the financial. So uh, there was a new, and now Mac specific news three weeks ago or so, there was in the news a, a piece of malware out that uh, steals all of your uh, iCloud keychain passwords. So um, if you manage to get it on your computer and execute it and then just not paying attention, you type in your password and it prompts you that it just ships all of your iCal keychain over the internet. And uh, then the only thing to, to uh, protect you is whatever MFA you have set up. And, um, and I'm not sure how good it would be to have like the, the, the nice thing about the YubiKey is it's not attached to the computer. So it can't, be automatically just taken like you could if you had like your uh, like an authenticator app on the same computer you log in with and then the data for the authenticator app could be grabbed because once they have that seed number they can calculate it on their own so that's kind of why i think that the hardware key is a better idea because it's it's uh really hard to get it get it and it's not plugged in so um I think that's the over. The, that's pretty much the overview I have, unless you really, really want to get geeky. But well, let's. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions first of all. So, <clears throat> what if somebody was to like steal one of the keys and plug it into their device? Um, you know, what would happen? Well, so if they steal the hardware key, um, and they go and they plug it in their device, if they don't have your password, right, your username and password. Um, and bad part, I guess most of your usernames are actually your email address, but, um, if they don't, if they can't log in using a username and password, then they don't get, they'll never get to the step of using the key. Once, when you notice a key is missing, you can immediately go to where you use, where you assign that key, like, you know, google.com and, and, and iCloud, and you can remove the missing key. And so you could, so if you're, if you, if you just think the key is missing, like, oh, I've misplaced my car keys. I, you know, I lost my keys at the park, you know, or at school, you can go home, remove the key, uh, and then just re-add it later when you find your keys. Mm -hmm. so then, then you're just back to the username and password protecting your account until you remove the key. Right. And then the, so this other bit of malware, and that's intriguing, and it's a little uh, definitely disconcerting, and uh, hopefully Apple is uh, coming up with a uh, patch for it. But uh, now the one thing I think is becoming more and more obvious is that there are so many ways now that your data can be stolen over the Internet, and so you just can't be too careful 
Um, do we know how people end up getting this particular malware? Well, in the malware, in the malware discussion, it was basically the old, you know, ways that people spread malware by, you know, phishing attacks or trying to get you to click on a link to download it. And, you know, masquerading is another program. Um, they didn't go. Into, they didn't uh, cover any specifics about how it was being distributed. Um, it was discovered as a product on the dark web. So mm-hmm. it was a malware as a service. So. All right. So first of all, folks, stay away from the dark web. And um, does the can malware target iDevices as well, or is it just Mac specific? Uh, this specific one was Mac specific. Um, I've kind of quit following the IT news about four years ago on security because uh, there was so much. Uh, there was so much. I was like, okay, this is hours of it listening to these these problems, like about three to four hours a, uh, a week. Yeah, I gave up. Um, so there are certainly vulnerabilities. Have been for, I can remember there were vulnerabilities for iOS. Apple's just really good at patching this stuff pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I don't like to click on like if I get messages from some weird number, I don't know. I try not even to click on the, click on the message itself on the phone uh, because uh, there have been vulnerabilities uh, for for Apple and Android both, where you you just click on the message, it shows up, and in rendering it, it it, it attacks your device. Um, much more so on Android, and much harder and much like less likely to get patched on Android. There's a lot more often and more severe. But there are been the occasional one for Apple. So. Right. Yeah. And I know what you mean. Just in security, there's so much happening out there. It's just... When, every... we re- when you're ready, we do have a couple of hand raised. Oh, all right. We do. Okay. Yes. Well, let's uh, hear from these uh, fine folks. And uh, who have we got first? All right, Diane. So I want to uh, share something cool and I want to know how he did it because we have such a complicated Wi-Fi network but when we have guests over now all he has to do is hold up a piece of paper with a QR code and it automatically connects them. So that is a feature that has been built into the latest iOS. Actually, it was either the latest iOS or the previous one. I think it goes back a couple of iOSs. And um, they introduced QR code scanning to where, yeah, it can just do that type of thing. And it's pretty cool. I've not uh, done it myself, but uh, that that is pretty cool how that works out. And um, I guess my, my only thing, is, I think that's good that you keep it on a piece of paper. I've heard people say, write it down, like, you know, somewhere where people can see it. You know, my thinking is, you know, what if somebody breaks into your house and finds the QR code and then... They have access to your internet, and uh, the first thing is, okay, well, who cares? Well, they could, you know, you don't want somebody going into your internet and going to sites that they should not go to, and you get in trouble for it, because it. I've heard of, uh, there's definitely, I don't know if it still happens today, but... In the past, you had situations where, especially in the open Wi-Fi days, where somebody would just bum off somebody's Wi-Fi, go to like these uh, porn websites that was being tracked by the FBI. And what the FBI saw was the IP address of the person's router, not, you know, like whose actual computer it was. And so it a lot of people could, you know, got 
in you know legal trouble because of issues like that. So I just wouldn't want to let any old random person log into my Wi-Fi. No, but, that's why he uh, he uh, has the paper somewhere. I don't yep. even know if he has it, and then just holds it up. Yeah, that's, where, where where does he have the paper? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, well, my answer my answer to that is is uh, you. Uh, so on our network, we have five different network segments, and so um, so I suppose I suppose the guy I showed I, I shared the password to. I guess he can have fun hacking our light bulbs. That's where he ended up. Um, but the answer to that is, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should make it like a, a, a guest, a sixth subnet and make it a guest and I could just turn it off the firewall rule. Um, but yeah, there's a, there, there, you're, but you're right. You bring up a, good, a few good points, but home routers can't even seg- segment networks like that. So you need something uh, enterprise wise like PFSense to even do that. But the answer to that would be like, yeah, you just have a guest network. You show the QR code, anyone who wants it, you know that you're willing to trust can have it and then you can just manually go in there and enable and disable the wi-fi rule uh so they can't drive by in the middle of night and you know use your wi-fi so and then the other option is the other thing is to not run transmit powers on your wi-fi so high that uh, they can pick up your wi-fi down the street as well so but all right Okay, who is next? QR code, because WPA, WPA2 now, um, which most people are still using, you know, they, it's even if you buy a WPA3 router, still using WPA2 slash WPA3. WPA2 has a fundamental flaw, and is in the you pick up the third packet of the four packet ha- of the four way handshake, because so it goes back and forth, back and forth. You pick up that third packet. And you can just drive by someone's house on a, with a laptop with a script running. It'll bounce a device off the, off of your Wi-Fi. When that device reconnects, it can pick up the third packet of the handshake. You can collect those packets in this, you know, in a, in a trip through some through a neighborhood. Go home, batch process it overnight on a, on a GPU, and then you can you can crack all of brute force crack all of the Wi-Fi passwords for WPA2. And the only way. The big prevention to it would be simply have a Wi-Fi password so big that it would take days to crack, but that would be putting in a sentence and most people aren't willing to put a sentence in. And that's where the QR code really comes in nice because you can have a sentence for, for a QR code. It's no more effort for someone else, for some, for you to enter it into, a, into your, uh, your smart device. Um, and then you can protect yourself from that. So, and I don't know if do you want to know how to make the QR code. Yeah, why don't we talk about that? Um, first of all, just two things before we get into that one. I'm impressed that we still use the term handshaking today because, uh, you know, you always associate that with dial-up modems. And uh, do we, just checking, do we have any questions over on the Clubhouse side? Yeah. Then let's learn how to make QR codes. Okay, so the website I use, there's several of them, is a QR-monkey. Um, and the website is free to use until you want to download the QR code. So I just enter in the QR code and then I use grab or snipping tool to then box the QR code that's on the screen and then copy and then, and then uh, save it to the disc and then drag it into a Word document, type in whatever, you know, the, the, the name of the website and then I can print it and then, I, then that's the QR code. The QR code standard includes a, a Wi-Fi configuration. So the QR code standards has that. 
and then the QR code applications that Apple and the better Google, uh, the better Android devices have, happen to feature built in. So if you get like a, a higher end Samsung uh, or an Android or a, a Google device, it should be built in the camera app automatically. There are apps to manually install it on lower end Android devices. Um, and of course, all the Apple stuff I've tried so far uh, seems to support it. Uh, if you point it at the QR code, you just get a pop-up in the camera app. It says join Wi-Fi question mark. And then you just tap it and you're connected that quick. It's like, it's amazing. It's, you you want to do it over and over just because, wow, that's fun. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's a big advantage behind that. You can type really large passwords so you can still have WPA2 secure um, without having to, you know, try typing in this massive password every time. Um, another thing I'm working on, I've experimented a little bit, is uh, using a, a barcode reader to type in passwords. So you can buy like a 25 bucks, you can buy off Amazon a, a barcode reader. You can plug it in to your computer, and it shows up just like a keyboard. And so the way it works is you can print out your bar, you can print out your, your uh, just a text QR. By you pick, you know, just text. And you can copy and you can put your big password there, generate the barcode, print the barcode, and then you can go to the website you want you want to use that on. Say change password, and when it's time to enter the new password, you can just barcode scan the the new the QR code, and uh, away you go. And then every time you go on that that website, you can just scan the QR code. You don't have to worry about typing it. Um, all right. I will tell you from at least um, I it, scanning QR codes at least on from a computer screen. That is something I do uh, struggle with a little bit. Like I've had to do it a couple times when I want to authenticate WhatsApp, and I need to try it again. Yeah. But that has always proven to be an interesting experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that can definitely be a good way of. Uh, authenticating for sure yeah it's, it's an idea and I've, yeah. I've i've tested it by you know doing the qr code on the on the screen i pick up the, the qr code reader or the iphone and point it at the screen like, oh that picks it up okay so it will the can... barcode reader might at least in, you know i wonder if the barcode reader itself might be better in the fact that um i used to have an old id mate well i still have an id mate well let's see i have the uh, older barcode scanners that it's a lot easier to scan regular food products with than the iPhone camera, but that's uh, um, neither here nor there. All right, guys, we got about. I think you're going to be trying any other uh, two-factor authentication methods as the time goes on. Or are you pretty satisfied now with uh, what you have? Uh, I think so. All the they all, all the accounts that I have that don't support the hardware key, um, so. I guess all of the, all the ones that I care about that aren't uh, Google and, and an iCloud, because those are the only two seem to support the hardware key is the uh, I use TOTP for the other option. Um, and uh, right. as soon as I support hardware keys, I'd like to move those to hardware keys. Um, but that, I think that's my uh, I don't know of anything that's actually better than the, the hardware keys. So I don't know what it, there, there's nothing else that I can think of that would, to go to. So all right. Well, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting process, and as time goes on, I think it's going to. They're probably they might find even more ways to streamline it, streamline it, and 
you know, it's really going to be interesting to see what to, they come up with. So right now you can only really use hardware keys for uh, Google and Apple services. So you can't, like, say, use it to log into your bank. Yeah, it's interesting. The bank is actually very resistant to uh, my bank defaults to the app on the phone. If you go to, you know, you go on a, any kind of web browser into it, it's like you must accept this on the app on your phone. So I just started using the app on the phone instead of bothering with the uh, logging into a device. Um, hmm. But I do, it seems odd that, you know, the banks would be the slowest to move to something like that. It's bizarre. Well, maybe the, I don't know, there's a lot of conspiracies I could weave around that, but uh, <laughs> we're getting into some dangerous tour, but maybe, maybe you know, do, do they profit off of your money getting okay. stolen? I don't know. That's Oh, oh there's a hand up. Okay. Tyanne, right. has a hand raised? Tyanne, yes. So I actually don't have Google Authenticator. I um had I, I ended up with Microsoft Authenticator because of work. Um so what are your thoughts on that? And um yeah, when I have time we'll have to set up all that wonderful stuff. Oh, well, my thoughts on the, on the Microsoft. Well, Microsoft, I don't feel Microsoft has the track record that Apple and Google have for security. So I can't help but think that, you know, their stuff could get hacked and that six digit, that the, the seed numbers could end up somewhere else. Uh, I just don't have that confidence in Microsoft. And and I don't think it's a good sign that, you know, they're they're pushing an MF, their own MF, MFA app at the same time, uh, Apple and Google uh, won't, work with their email app. Even the, the latest version of the test version of Outlook doesn't support um, Apple's authenticating on Apple's or uh, Google systems, even though the Google is specifically listed as being supported by their the new version of Outlook. So, Yeah, so let's put a couple of things in Lehman's terms. Uh, at least, so then, actually, let me ask you this question then, because this reminds me of a very interesting incident. So, would you say that the mail app on the phone is more secure than Outlook? Oh well, I can. Well, I can. A- Apple and Google will let me will let me check my email on right. my Mac through the mail app, but I can't on my Outlook. I've been I, both of them banned me from it. So they blocked it. I get a full. So I mean. <laughs> See, because it's, it's really interesting, like a couple years ago, our mm-hmm. school forced us into a situation where on our phones and our the Windows computers, at least, we had to use Outlook to check our uh, school mail through the Microsoft Exchange server. Now, what is interesting is the one platform I could still use with no problems was the mail app on the Mac, but I could not use the mail app on the phone. Um, I could not use my Thunder. I could not use Thunderbird on the Windows. It had to be Outlook, 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 which I didn't like the fact that I had to download another app. I did like the fact that mail wasn't constantly being pushed to me all the time. So that was the one good thing. But uh, um, but maybe you know I should I I, I should have. Uh, no, I, I, if I was still good with school, then I could uh, go to them now and say, hey, actually, you know what? You do not force this on us because uh, this is actually not as secure. So uh, give us back our mail app because it's more secure. Um, but hey, that's Microsoft for you, I guess. I don't know. 
Well, Microsoft Microsoft's made a lot of money by making decisions that benefit them from a business perspective. I'm not sure that they really care that much about the actual end user. So, um, and this kind of makes sense because if you look at the business model, Apple has to make the end user happy because the end user basically Apple's the end user company. When you people who buy Macs and stuff, they're basically usually the end user, and so the person who uses the computer is the one writing the check. If you think about the Microsoft model, when you go to the Best Buy and buy a Windows computer, you're not paying for that license of Windows on it. The uh, the company that you're buying, you know, the the OAM, the company who built the computer, paid you know some money to 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 license to license the copy of Windows for it. Um, and then Microsoft, if you look at their business, where they get most of their money, it's they make a lot of money off of developers. Um, so they're more concerned about developers, you know, than they are about the quality of life for the end user and companies really just have not been held liable for data breaches in any significant meaningful way. So it's not really been a priority, you know, no company's gone bankrupt because, you know, they lost everything. So. And that is unfortunate. And, but, and of course the argument is, I think they get away with it because it's like, well, it's too much money to keep everything up to date and all that. But uh, at the same time, yeah, and, and people do it, you know, people, it's interesting people, you know, they, they'll they deal with the hassle of having house keys and losing the house keys and locking themselves out and stuff. Yep. You suggest, well, you need to worry about that on your computer. And they're like, for some reason, because it's a computer, they don't, you know, th- there are places where you wouldn't go in real life, but then those, but, but, but then they think they can go anywhere on public internet and it's okay. And it's kind of an interesting dichotomy, you know. Yep. That is unfortunately a real shame. Um yeah so but uh yeah that's how that goes all right well we, and, but you know guys that's now i will say you know from i've learned from a couple of people that work in the apple store that one thing that has had them concerned at least a couple of years ago is apple is trying to get more into the uh service-based industry and less from the and less into the hardware and that could really change their focus over time with making the end user happy if you, they focus more on selling but they still do rely a lot on the hardware so but that that is an interesting point about apple is you know they do have to make the end they, they have to work harder to make the end user happy and what do they do to make the end user happy well let me give you an example you know with mac i'm probably can last until you know right now i want an intel mac i until uh, 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 m2 mac i don't need one i want one there's a difference um but my 2019 Intel Mac is probably going to last at least until 2026, roughly, maybe give or take a year. And Apple has pulled some interesting surprises lately, so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it lasts another year or two. You know, they come out and say, actually, you, you know, nothing would surprise me with Apple. Well, when you they've definitely. Because they've, they've kept some of the older iPhone models around longer than I would have expected. Um, the iPhone, you know, like for instance, like you think it's the iPhone eight that can now, it can go up to iPhone 16 and you would have expected that to end support for the iPhone eight to end with, um, iOS 15, um, because it used to be every year, the oldest model was bound to go. And then like two or three years ago, they kind of started changing that model a little bit. Well, actually we're extending the life of the older phone. So that's why I said nothing would surprise me with Apple now. But, but what's just when you, when you mean by extending the life, 
Do you mean the life of the device when it no longer gets any updates, or you just mean or when it gets up regular, like it can update to the next iOS? Okay, so so it's running the current current. Yep, iOS. yep, okay. yep. Um, so with Windows, let's take a look at Windows. On the other hand, if you want, I have a 2019 computer Mac that runs Boot Camp. I cannot upgrade to Windows 11, not because of the specs. I don't even think the process is an issue, but what is the big issue is the security chip that only certain PCs, starting with certain 2018 models, have. And so you could have a 2017 computer and you're badly outdated as of like two years ago. Chanel, in contrast, has a 2017 Mac, and she's only now thinking this year that she will need a new Mac. So. Okay. What can I, you know, normally I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily a Microsoft lover, but on that one, that's actually not Microsoft's fault per se. Ah. That's actually Apple's fault because what's missing uh, for Windows 11, they, they're trying to institute to improve security. So there's a marginally a, uh, an actual ben- theoretically benefit to it uh, is that you need the uh, UFI 2.0, uh, pardon me. Right. It's a UEFI version, but it needs TPM version 2.0. And that re- that is reusing uh, cri- uh, some cryptography built into the CPU, but it requires it to be enabled and 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 make it through the firmware. And Apple's UEFI isn't being apparently Apple did not patch it to allow that to boot to boot that, and that's why the it's, Windows 11 does not want to install. But you could install Windows 11. You just have to go around that requirement. There's a way you can do that. So right. Um, yep. Of course, I would also point out that Windows 11, if you look at the version number in command, it still shows 10.0, so just say Well, that is interesting. Okay, I have not used actually Windows 11. I've used it virtually. Yeah. But um, that being said, I think Windows 11 may have its own problems, but that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do we have any final questions for Alan? We're uh, coming, running short on time here, so. Uh, guys, um, first of all, Alan, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I think I think that's about it. Um, all right, that's all I got. Well, thank you uh, for joining us today, as always, and uh, some very interesting things to talk about. So, if you want to get into the realm of hardware keys and. Uh, Two-factor authentication, and yes, to, you know, two-factor authentication, it definitely can be annoying. I had a situation today where I think my broadcasting software might, might have been the culprit because once I closed it out, I had no problems. I was trying to sign into iCloud on Windows earlier, and I could get to the password thing, and then when I got to the six-digit code, like I could not do anything in that edit field whatsoever with JAWS or NVDA. And then once I closed out my broadcasting software, then suddenly it uh, seemed to work. But and for some reason, there's my broadcasting software uses some aspect of the iCloud control panel. I don't know why, but it does. Hmm. So, you, you, so Apple supports uh, TOTP? Um, yes. So what it, how it works is if you sign into iCloud on Windows, um, you know, this is just the software version, obviously, but you sign into the password and then you get a notification on all your devices that oh, uh, okay, right. somebody's trying to log in. Then you hit the allow button and you are displayed a six digit code that you have to type in on the computer. Okay. And then. 
it you know, stays there until you hit the OK button. Yep. So it's not exactly the same thing where you have to. No. You set, you set up with the tickets and you put it on your Authenticator app or. Like right. That. Not quite the same thing. Okay. Not quite the same, but. Yeah. Okay. So what do you what, what do you what do you need to sign into iCloud on your PC for? I keep it up to date so that way if I because I do have some files on iCloud Drive that can access on you know both devices mm. and. Um, so I decided to, you know, you know, keep it running on the Windows so that way um, if I need to access anything through iCloud Drive, I have access to it as well. Yeah. Um, so that's why I let it uh, be signed in. And it came part of, uh, yeah, so, and then also it does keep some things up to date internally, like it does keep my mail contacts up to date that are stored in iCloud and things like that. So it kind of does actually sync a little bit with some things to try to keep me in sync on the Windows side whenever possible. Yeah, I kind of I lost that stuff when I turned on the hardware, key, the hardware keys. So on Apple, too. It went away. Right. Well, there's an interesting disadvantage there, which is more valuable to you. So the hardware version might be, you know, fine if you are not switching between devices. But if you are switching between devices, then you may have to really think about what's going to matter more. And, you know, do you do you need to stay in sync with those devices? Or uh... So there's a lot of things to definitely think about when making these decisions and... Uh... So uh, definitely some uh, food for thought there. All right, let's open it up now to any general Mac questions or uh, anything. Let's see if anybody has any of those before we ski daddle on out of here. I think we're going to uh, end this thing a little bit early here because uh, I actually, believe it or not, don't have anything. Um I do want to uh, men- actually. There's a couple things I will mention. I don't think she's on the call, but uh, I'm really impressed. We had somebody who has uh, freed themselves and uh, tried actually opening a Zoom room on the Mac the other day and was successful at doing so. And from a screen reader perspective, at least there are some things that do annoy me about Zoom on Windows because, for one thing. You uh, can't, you have to erase the text that's in the username field. You can't just overwrite it. And you have to know, like, it's not obvious at first, like, when going through the list of rooms, you have to know to hit enter to bring up, like, your start button on Windows. So that, I'd say, is actually a little bit, I wouldn't call that fully accessible. It's perhaps somewhat intuitive, but... um, you know, I would say that uh, because in the Mac we just interact with the table, we point, and then we hit tab, and uh, voila, our start button is there. So um, some very interesting uh, things there. But one last thing I'll talk about is you can learn things from a Windows perspective and know how, try to transfer them to the Mac and see what results you come up with. And as it's going off, I'll use Tweez Cake as a very recent example. Somebody mentioned the other day that uh, they noticed in the Tweez Cake program on their Windows machine that they could do Control-1 and through Control-5 to go through like their the various aspects of their uh, timeline, like home, messages, 
notifications, that type of thing. So that got me to thinking, well, you know, since there's a Mac version of Tweet's Cake, can I do the same thing? Well, Control-1 wasn't going to do anything, but Command-1 that does, and so does Option-1. And um, so Command-1 will actually take you through your various timeline options, and then Option-1 through then d- different numbers will take you through the things you have in the, configured in Tweez Cake. So there can be, like, I have a couple of Mastodon accounts, the radio. Um, so I can just cycle through those. And that's just because somebody mentioned Control-1 on Windows, and I was like, oh, well, let's see if we can do this on the Mac side, even though they didn't uh, mention the Mac. So, again, just sometimes knowing how to translate screen reader commands to see what will work can be a very valuable tool when you're dealing with the same kind of uh, program for both systems so 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 have you uh so so you're you're not running the current uh, version of mac os yet i am um tweez cake is version 15.1 oh no i'm i'm, I'm at mac os are, are you running the, yes i'm on the latest sure yep why was that uh is, is that is that the new settings uh system fun or what to to do the command one and option one and all that Oh no! I meant I meant finding all the different settings. Like, uh, it reminded me because like the keyboard shortcuts and the modifier keys. Like when you when you use oh. those keys with a Mac, like yes. finding those was interesting. System preferences. System settings. Yep. System yeah. settings. I really yeah. like that layout. You, yep. you like it? Yeah, it's the way I access the system settings is through the context menu, and that's actually an easier way than trying to open it directly. Because you can go to your system settings on the dock and do VO Shift M. And I know Chanel's going to scream at me if I don't mention this. You can also go to the menu bar in system settings and go to view and view it that way. There, did I say it right, Chanel? And I think you're still on here. Yeah, but system settings has to be oh, open in order to do it from the menu okay. bar. Yeah, but, I'm still here and Brad's right. Okay, but Brad, Brad was very quiet, so I kind of didn't hear what he said. No, I said you have to. Uh, the system settings has to be open to access yes. the view menu, and when it is open, I believe you have to do it through the view menu because the con- the shortcut menu on the dock item doesn't work when it's open, if I'm not mistaken. Nope. So, yeah, that's how you can access the system settings. And then keyboard help, of course, will also tell you with VOK your, uh, what your keys are on the keyboard. And then you get your uh, commands help with uh, VO shift H. No. We're not. No, V-O-H-H. H-H, H-H, yes. VOK will still, but VO, it will not. Those only work for voiceover commands. That's not. Yes. Both of those are only for voiceover commands. So for, yes, it was, yes. Hmm. But, um... VO Shift H will read your help tags. Yes. But yes, VO HH will um, bring up the actual... Um, the voiceover menu. Hmm. I'm sorry, ah. Commands help is VO HH if you press the H fast enough. If you don't, then... You're just going to get your voiceover help menu with VOH. So, all right, guys, I think I'm done talking. So you can all celebrate. And uh, well, can I ask it? Can I ask another interesting question? Just for you fun? can. Okay, how many people 
have changed the de- have know that they can log into their router? I that's a very good question. I do because I set up my own router rather than getting the uh, sticking with the Comcast one. And uh, your most routers are going to have the default one nine two dot one six eight dot zero dot one. And if you've not done anything to the configuration, the typical username is usually like. Uh, admin or guest and the password is usually like the same and I always recommend that no matter what router you get you go into the login thing and change all that and right away companies don't like you to change it on their routers because they want to be able to easily get access but some companies internet company what all the more reason to change it yeah exactly but 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 you're still you but you're still right but have you updated the firmware on your router? Um, that's a good question. You know, I should I should probably do that. You are you still are you still using a consumer router? Um, so we're using a um, oh, what the heck router are we using? <laughs> that we not oh, yeah. so remember. But your Comcast, Herbie, five your minutes. Comcast All right. box is probably also a router, though. Rather, no, no, we're, we're not. Using we the Comcast bought box. our own separate. We bought one that. Yeah, we we, a, we got rid of the Comcast one. as well as a, as your own router. It's a built-in motor modem router combination. So and, we, um, so we got one a couple years ago from Amazon. Um, we did. We we had the Comcast one. Those are really bulky, by the way, guys. And why they need to be that way, I don't know. Because the one we got is a lot slimmer. Uh, and the, well, the answer to that may be a lot. So a lot of your Comcast ones have uh, they include the phone functionality, and as such, right. you also have a battery to back it up. So that when your power goes out, your phone still works, even though it's got to go okay. through cable modem. So that would yeah. explain it. Herbie, I'm not sure if you heard me, but five minutes. Yes, I did. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we got rid of the. We didn't like the Comcast one, so we so we, we got a different one. Um, but yeah, I, sh- I should check for firmware updates. That's for sure. Not right the second. That that, that would kind of be a problem. But uh, um, but yeah, I recommend you change the passwords, and I also recommend you change the uh, passwords that it comes up with too, because those are so generic that. Uh, yeah, you can easily get tapped into and uh, yeah, and then you can also do cool things like name, rename your Wi-Fi network so you actually know what it is and because um, otherwise, you know, when people don't rename their routers, you you know which pro- internet provider they have just by their Wi-Fi name. Yeah, you know? so it's very interesting. But well, after after years of hearing security. The, the, how bad router manufacturers face rural security. The first step in securing a network is to is to uh, not use a consumer router. You really should move to something else. So. Wow. Well, what, what, and what do you recommend in our two minutes we have left? Uh, I like to use PFSense. You can buy the, the uh, NetGate sells PFSense on hardware, like a, a consumer product off Amazon. Mm-hmm. Or you can, if you have an old computer, you can have two network interfaces in. You can install it on your own hardware, and then you can turn your existing router into an access point by disabling right. DHCP and ignoring the one port. That alone is probably the single greatest thing you could do because your router is exposed to the public internet 24/7, and uh, some of these vulnerabilities and some of these routers are so egregious. It's 
it, it's just it's apocalyptic. Like some people, like I uh, reset my router. I got to go reset my. You know, they're doing it like every day, and that's a sign that their their stuff's hacked. So. Right. Well, I'll tell you the reason why, and then we got to run out of here. The reason, part of the reason why that happens is, you can have multiple branches of security in our governmental system that have different things they're looking for. So somebody gave an example once of um, they were looking at ways people could get hacked into and they found a patch into a Linksys router. And there was another branch that said, no, 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 we actually want that patch left open because it gives us a doorway in into the bad guys. So mm. um, that is, I think, where you have things so... Well, some of these, some of these things are so egregious. They put like uh, there's a there's an automatic uh, system where a device on your network can punch a hole through the firewall, so they shares a service on on the internet, and they right. actually they actually set that that port that listens for that up on the on the LAN port and on the one side. So if so, a hacker on the public internet can use your router to route packets through it. Yep. Uh, the old peer-to-peer network's just now hidden and not for Napster music files anymore. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, that's what that translates to. And on that note, we are going to end this thing. My thanks to Danette and Brad. And, uh, you know, so we had DB hosting for us today, and that means double the flavor, double the fun. That's the strength that you get with the double mint. Go- oh, sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> my thanks to uh, Alan... And uh, Tyann for uh, letting us have him. And uh, with all that, you two may end the respective rooms. <laughs>